Welcome to Wilderness Tracks, recorded at this year's Timber Festival in the National Forest. In each episode, a different writer, artist, musician or thinker tells me about six pieces of music that somehow connect them to the natural world. Testament is a rapper, composer and world-record-breaking beatboxer. As a screenwriter, his works appeared on the BBC, Netflix and Channel 4, and his stage work, including the brilliant Black Men Walking, has featured at some of the country's most prestigious theatres. <coughs> He's also a great champion of other people's work, an enthusiastic collaborator and an extraordinary performer. If I could just free my mind, something like freedom time, wish I was free like jazz or the style over beats on the mic. The preacher talking freedom from sin, freedom comes from within. Free will means we free, but not innocent. I freely admit we're free to exist. Freeborn, that's just where freedom begins. Just some free advice if your mind is free from prejudice. See, the best things in life are free, but they cost you everything. Thank you. Just leave it there, shall we? I spoke to Natalie Haynes yesterday, and uh, she was quite happy to admit she had not a clue about music. You, on the other hand, quite the opposite. Uh, Anyone who's seen Orpheus in... The record shop, which is, I think, still on iPlayer and recommended to anyone. That's yeah, come off now. Has it come yeah, off? Come well, on. you have to come see it live and buy tickets. Mid October in Leeds at the Playhouse. Oh, Leeds Playhouse. I think it might be. Tickets available now online. Leeds Playhouse, fifteenth <laughs> of October. Yeah. But one thing that's pretty obvious from that is your love of music. This is a, plays a big part in your life. I'm thinking. Yeah, hugely. Um, so, um, my dad plays the recorder. It's a big look. And um, oh, I wish Dad was here. Um, he's alive, don't worry. <laughs> or is he? Um, yeah, so, um, but my dad brought us up on uh, the Beatles and Simon and Garfunkel, whom we love. And um, my mum likes Lionel Richie and Osibisa, um, which are West African, Caribbean white mix of thing so that I can remember the album cover of that it's like got these elephants it's like those prog rock you know those fantastical prog rock covers but like with an elephant and the wings of the elephants are, are like the red eyes the evil elephants sort of coming into a swamp but then I I have no training um, I'm an autodidact which means I blag it um, so uh, I'm self-taught pianist uh, composer computer programmer and then I've basically went to uni was into acid jazz remember that yeah. rest in peace um <laughs> so yeah I was into was massively into acid jazz so when hip-hop when I, I got into hip-hop through my big brother and then and funk and disco as well and then I got majorly into jazz because of acid jazz and then when I went to Leeds University I was like I want to start a hip-hop band and then I saw the roots in 1997 when they were really small what Illadelf Half Life tour blew my tiny mind. I saw Gil Scott Heron was my first ever gig in Manchester because I'd heard Revolution Not Be Televised on a funk compilation. Um, and I was like, oh, that's what I want to do with my life. 
pretty much. And that was my way in. And then from there, starting the band with people who actually could read music. And I'd be like, what's that called? And they'd be like, oh, it's an A minor nine. And I'd be like, oh, cool. Um, so my music theory's got there, especially because I've been in wedding bands and function bands. I've had to sing Sex on Fire for too many times in, f- in front of millionaires. Like, it's with really high-level function bands where people, like, a function band that has a musical director, for anyone who knows about wow. So a really high level with five singers, horn sections, dancers, silver suits. It was really humiliating. <laughs> but it paid for my first child's nappies. Um, so being around musicians that are way better than me, I, I picked up a lot. And I've always composed and stuff, but uh, my facility's grown. And music's always been a, a huge, huge... Uh, hip-hop has been my introduction to not just music, but literature, education, arts, communication. Hip-hop has been my... was my GCSEs, basically. And we're going to see today how it connects you with the natural world. Word. So let's go with your first choice, which is the unassisted by Rasco. These brothers flash on the rasp, but I didn't sweat it. Remain calm, ripping mics every single night. I'm on the scene making green because the single's tight. Fuck you fools that's believing in your own hype. Because I'm the type that be serving up the long pipe. I smell a scent getting bent, pockets full of lint. You think you large because these people get you fine print. My first error of the day is the wrong version. That's not going to be the last time that happens, I'm afraid. Had we had the right version, why would you have chosen it? Uh, the beat's a lot sicker. Um, and it's got scratching on it as well. It's got beat juggling on it. DJs um, juggle between beats. So the normal version goes... Um, So um, it's seeing a DJ do his thing. Yeah, it's, it's got more space in the groove and it sounds hard. What about nature? How does it connect you to the natural world? So this goes to um, University of Leeds, actually. My second year University of Leeds. My best friend, Rachel. So I came from Manchester. Yeah, geography lesson. Well done. You passed that test. <laughs> you know Manchester is? That's good. Um, big up Manchester. Big up Manny. Huge part of who I am and my identity. So I come from cities, uh, but Rachel came from Framlingham in Suffolk. <laughs> we have Is that a, you? We, we have a second second graduate from the geography course. Um, yes, from, from Fran. So she lived in really sort of rural stuff, but was a massive. She was a white girl, was massively into hip hop, but lived in the countryside. And actually, Framlingham has got loads of amazing, talented hip hop performers that were certainly did in the nineties, early two thousands. So people like Alice Russell, who's an amazing soul singer. Her first releases were with Crew from. Framlingham and Scratch DJs and Breakdance Crews and MCs from this little village. So um, we had to write some sort of project because I did English, right? Standard. And um, I ended up going out there as a sort of 19-year-old kid and hanging out with her and her boyfriend. And her boyfriend's a sick uh, hip-hop producer and beatmaker and introduced me to Rasco Unassisted and Rasco Time Waits for No Man album and loads of other hip-hop. So I associate that West Coast rap record with being sat in someone's front room in the middle of the countryside where, for those of you who do live out in cities, people have more time to actually talk. So as, as a young person who's very nervous about how do you communicate with someone else, what do you say to someone who, when you don't know them, oh, all those kind of anxieties. Um, actually, that little trip taught me loads because I'd sit there and the people go out to work and come and I'd be working on something and listening to Rusco and someone would come in and people would just be like, how's your day? 
those simple things like asking someone how their day's going. Well, you know, I went to the supermarket and did it. And just like the most mundane thing and finding that that's okay to just ask people how they are and just to talk about your life. And it doesn't always have to be clever. It doesn't always have to be profound. You can just be yourself and talk about something rubbish that happened or something brilliant that happened and just learning how to communicate with people, which I found sort of um, the being away from stuff kind of gave everybody was kind of amazing and I also feel like when I listen to MCs who live in the countryside versus MCs who live in the city there's way more reflection sometimes more irony sometimes more poetry in listening to a rapper who lives out of the city than those it's a different vibe even the even the flow the cadences offer are different can you break that down a bit further I'm really intrigued by the flow of the cadences okay so is it just about tempo is it about it's a partly about tempo um uh so let, how can I put this in a really succinct way so it doesn't become an hour about the dialectics of hip-hop? Um, but like, um, so a lot of hip-hop, you can bop to as you walk and it feels like you're walking. So a lot of East Coast hip-hop and a lot of British hip-hop is uh, boom bap. You like walking. Whereas like West Coast hip-hop, for example, is more like you're in a car and it's sort of rolling. So it could be now. You're rolling down the street, right? And then you go grime, you're running, fam. Someone's got a knife. Um, so the different tempos really reflect, like, physically how are we moving in these environments. Wow. Okay. And you yourself now live in the countryside. I know, man. <laughs> so I now live in a place called Brigass. Um, well, the band Embrace lived down the road, what came from Bailiff Bridge, which is like just outside of Brighouse. But then Davino De Campo, amazing, um, winner of UK Drag Race and amazing actor, performer, uh, spokesperson, um, comes from Brighouse. That's, that's Brighouse's most famous child, really. Um, but apart from that, it's got um, three supermarkets, a direct train to London and racism. <laughs> so that's nice. But Brigas, yeah, I feel like I'm a rapper who, because of financial necessity and childcare, live near my lovely in-laws who live just next to Brigas. So, so I'm out there and I'm going down to Brigas Arts Festival and I'm buying chilli-flavoured jam and garlic-flavoured rapeseed or walking up the hill back to my house going, I'm not hip-hop anymore, am I? <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's get to the second record, just for time's sake, uh, which is... Played a pivotal part in your career. Do you want to uh, introduce it? Yeah, so, so I have my crew uh, called Home Cut. So if you search me online, it's normally Testament Home Cut, otherwise it might send you to a church or a death metal band, both of which is lovely. Um, same thing. <laughs> um, discuss in less than a thousand words. Um, yeah, so, um, so Home Cut was my crew. And then a the drummer in my crew is called Cousin Jay, or Jeremy, not as cool. Um, he's an English teacher. He's really passionate about English teaching. I bet he likes chili jam. Oh, yeah, he smashes it. We've got stories about me and Cousin Jay eating hot food, I'll tell you. Um, so he's one of my favourite hip-hop drummers ever. He's an English teacher from Leeds. The best person to make something sound like hip-hop on a kit is like Questlove, Mikey Wilson from Manchester, and Cousin Jay, who's an English teacher who doesn't even... hardly plays drums these days. He's sick. So he had his crew called Today's Mathematics, which comes from a Wu-Tang um, lyric, Today's Mathematics is Knowledge. So he had a crew called Stadiomatics. 
I had my crew, which was Home Cut, and we would help each other's projects. And on the first single, which Today's Mathematics dropped on First Word Records, um, is called Butterfly. It got my first bit of um, Radio 1 airplay on the Trevor Nelson show was this song. <laughs> on guitar. Inspiration. I write phrases on the page and butterflies flutter back to show there's no danger. I draw close to nature like David Attenborough learning animal behavior. The creator's imprints written in like fate. Don't disturb my universal what are you afraid of? Word for word it's mercy. I meditate on transform life form. Forms of life reform cross like the fader. Senses crystallizing chrysalis for respite. Season, my reasons to grow wise as yeah. I rise in the day, taking hold of the twilight in the urban countryside. Love put it right like a butterfly, but that's why Jesus died, saved my kind. Take me from the gutters to new height, outside my cocoon, feeling like another guy. Sip on orange juice, reading Psalm 25. Lovely guitar on that. It's all right, isn't it? <laughs> so, aside from shameless self-promotion, why did you uh, why did you pick this? What's, I mean, the, the lyrics clearly connecting to nature, but what's what? well? Yeah, like when when you get an email saying, "Oh, yeah, we want six tracks that connect to nature," you're like, "Oh yeah, my first ever single literally is all about finding God in nature and find and the metaphor of metamorphosis um, on trying to find the divine, something bigger than yourself." In, in the elements and in around. So, so that was huge, huge for me. And then when, actually when I was recently commissioned to write a nature essay for Gifts of Light and Gravity, which is the next thing on after this, <laughs> there's a whole presentation about that book. Yeah, so I was commissioned to write an essay about spring. Yeah, get a rapper to write about spring, obviously. Uh, one, of, one of the things I mentioned in the chapter is how we wrote that track and how... Where, even though I was in Hare Hills in a terraced house in a ba- grotty basement with like a speaker hanging off a wall, playing with my mates like Fender guitar, badly, with bad fingering. It was the sense that nature's always trying to speak to us all the time. Nature's always trying, whatever we do as humans, we can try and get away from the elements, from peace, from things that are bigger than ourselves, things that are waiting to heal us. There's healing around us all the time and there's love and there's goodness around us all the time I'm trying to get through the the bricks and the 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 red bricks of of hair of seaforth grove in in leeds or uh, through the cracks in the pavement nature's always trying to speak to us and it's like are we gonna let it transform us the coleridge line no plot so narrowby but nature there and it's like that that too yeah yeah, yeah, but it's when you were. Can you say that again, please? That's uh, no plot so narrow, but be but nature there. Yeah. I had to write it down. I didn't know, no, but, but it's it's, I was listening to these tracks, and that's what it made, led me to. And that's I, amazing. And I'm curious when you were before you moved to Brighouse and before you were living in the countryside. How conscious were you of that sense? I mean, it's all around you I've now. I've got to say, Brighouse isn't really countryside. We've no, got some but, fields, but you but, know. And and nor is Leeds entirely. No. Uh, bricks and mortar. That word, word. That's true. Yeah, so, so were you very conscious, were you very in touch with that feeling of nature Not really. when you were living in cities? No, um, but there have been moments, key, key moments in my life when things went really badly, when I needed to, you know, stop and meditate and pray and connect, and nature's always been part, nature's all, uh, is always um, 
Is the pert next? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, okay. I'm going to... Should we go into in. the pert? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll say this and it will lead... Nice. Be a nice, smooth yeah. transition segue. It's almost like you've put so, these in order. Cousin Jay, the best hip-hop drummer you never heard of, who teaches English and he's really cares about young people's welfare. What an amazing dude. He's, I was like, you're going to go on tour with me? He's like, nah, I want to teach these kids. I want to teach these kids GCSE. I need people to, to, to back them. I was like, dude, that's amazing. I'll, I'll let you off for that one. Yeah, lovely, lovely man. Um, Before we get to the other part, though, mm. um, just because you're talking about education there, you said in something else when we were talking that when you started your career, you were doing like 50% of your stuff in, in schools. 80%. 80%. was in schools, prisons, um, sometimes like youth clubs, things yeah. like that. And now that your trajectory and the success that you've had, you're in demand and you don't need to do that anymore. But you, what I remember is you saying, I'd never give that up. I'd never give no. up going into schools. It's got to be the same, or education, whether it's schools, prisons, whoever, like dealing with real life people, young people in particular, but whatever, dealing with real people. I don't want to be so insulated where I'm just hanging out with like people that are just like me. Yeah. Like, I know you're different to me. Yeah. We can chat there and we'll probably... Yeah. Agreeing, you know, most people here are probably going to agree on eighty percent of things, apart from what kind of whether it's soy milk or or, or, or almond milk. You know, that would be the big debate here. You know, um, oat. Oh, exactly. Yeah, See, yeah. I've started a war already. Um, <laughs> God. Um, so, like, but there's a certain amount of consensus already. Whereas when I talk to my lovely but with some very different political views neighbour, um, it's going to be something different. And I'd never want to be so insulated that. So when my album, when that out when my first proper album came out, it got like five stars in the metro, Ooh. double page spread, testament to his talent. My ego was like boom, and I went and played Glastonbury literally that morning when it came out. My brother texted me was like, "Have you seen the metro?" It's like what? And I'm I'm on my way to Glastonbury to play a gig at Glastonbury with Shlomo and all all, these, all the fam, and it was like oh man, my, so my ego's riding high. But that doesn't matter. None of that really is is a is a it's a piece of poo to use uh, my eight-year-old. It doesn't really mean anything. Like, it, it might help me open the door to my next meeting or career or something. It doesn't mean anything. But I can sit going to Wakefield Trinity Academy and uh, get a kid to write a poem about um, that sums up something that they've dealt with in their life, and they'll remember that forever. What is the point of, you know, you know what I'm saying? So on the day, like, I, it's always got to connect to... The real shit, because otherwise it's like, oh, I was on Radio Four once. Well, that's it's great, but like, who 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 cares, really? Like, hopefully you said something that might have helped somebody while you're on Radio Four, or you passed someone's afternoon for them. It's nice, but like, fam, you know. So that's why it's always got to be part of my practice. Brilliant. I did distract you though. We were going into all, all right, cousin Jay. Yeah. So cousin Jay is going to feature in a few of these things. Uh, not only do we eat hot food together, um, but um, he introduced me to classical music. So he's a f now 55-year-old teacher who's just mad eclectic. He played Cantus in memory of uh, Benjamin Britten, Arvo Pet, um, which I still use uh, today for various things. It's beautiful. And then I was like, right, I need to go and buy some Arvo Pet for me. I need to go to H&B because it existed then. I need to go to the classical department. And, and sort it out. And something that the church that I was going to at the time, there used to be people used to come pray for me and stuff. And I remember there was one time I got prayed for and someone quoted from John 15, which was, 
I am the true vine, basically. He that remains in me will, will have life and, and will be fruitful and stuff like that. So as a metaphor for my life, if I remain in the divine, um, but also this, this is divine to me, like people being together, that's, oh, God's here, because you're here, and you're all beautiful and wonderful. So if I remain centered, all that stuff, all the hippie stuff, you know, um, <laughs> uh, if I remain true to myself and I'm not stressing about my life, then God will be there. I was like, great. So I go into HMV. Hood up. Let's go. I want some other repair. Looking along the album sleeves, and he's got an album called I Am The True Vine. I'm like, well, even though it's 17.99, I'm, I'm going to cop that. And, it, and it's just, it's in English, and it's, um, and it's set choral, and it uses his tritone thing that Alvaro Pear's really famous for, and it's beautiful. And when I, if I, I'm really stressed, or I'm in the middle of writing a play, or whatever, an application, whatever it is, and whenever I'm really stressed, I put on Pear, and all of a sudden I feel like it triggers me in all the right ways. <laughs> Sunday afternoon at a festival. I never... Can you ever think... Imagine me as a, a rapper, performer, beatboxer guy thinking, whenever would I be with an audience sharing that song with them? That's amazing. You talk about faith there, and I know your, your relationship with religion and, and faith has, has evolved quite dramatically over the years. I mean, you talk about nature and the connection with nature and the divine in nature. I know you're a massive William Blake fan and all the kind of mysticism that comes from him and, you know, the strangeness that comes with that. I mean, we haven't got the time to really unpack it, but can you just give a little sense of, of where you've come from and how you've, how you've got to where you are? All right, so I thought I was in our bed. <laughs> I was in our bed. I thought I needed some help. Got some help. Became a bit more of a nubbed. And now um, I realise that's a bit too nubbedish. <laughs> and I'm trying to be less of a nubbed. So in a nutshell, um, when I was 14, I had a profound religious experience. And, um, and I converted to what I now describe as fundamentalist Christianity, which saved me from a lot of trouble, especially as a teenager when you're all over the place. So I had dogma. I had God, but I also had lots of dogma and baggage to hang on to, which kept me out of trouble. So some of my friends in, in prison, some of my friends are no longer with us. But I didn't fall down on things because of uh, religion, because of God. And um, very grateful for that. As I got older and as I went to university and then as I fell in love and even before I fell in love, 
life is messy. Life is so messy. And it doesn't fit into neatly coloured lines and dogma. William Blake has a, a piece called Everlasting Gospel. And um, he talks about, he's talking to other religious, he's obviously a person of faith. Um, and he says, he says, when I read the Bible, you read black where I read white. And um, gosh, when I look at America now, when I look at my um, fundamentalist younger self, it's been on a massive journey of unpicking what do I think God is really saying? Because uh, I do believe in God. And what do I think is actually just dogma, prejudice, um, homophobia, transphobia, racism, sexism, which uh, humans in their power-seeking brokenness have actually distorted. Um, so um, I've been on a massive journey unpicking going on a journey with my relationship with spirituality and God. But uh, when I started rapping, I called myself Testament, which is a little self-aggrandizing. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the, it came from a De La Soul lyric, actually, on the fourth album. And Testament means promise or covenant, so it's an agreement that I wasn't just going to try and big up my own ego, which I struggle with, but I'm going to instead try and do whatever I do on the mic or on stage. I'm going to use this as a way to try and... Um, make Jesus smile and do something that he'd be like yeah you're helping people it's not just about you it's not just about you showing off in front of your mates um, look mum no mic um, so it's not just about that it's about something bigger than yourself and that has stayed true no matter what my expression of faith is that I've tried to come back to that and say to myself I'm like actually it's not about you son it's about what you're going to do while you're here I, I said earlier about how nobody's got a bad word to say for you. So when you say you struggle with your ego, that's almost like a surprise to me because you know, I think it, that certainly doesn't come through. So how does that play out for you? Um, <laughs> um, yeah. That's a really good question. Um, so like, just to get up in front of people, write words and say, oh, yeah, everyone should listen to what I've got to say. That says something about you, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, to people who totally listen to me. I can do that, I can do that. And like, no, actually, sometimes you've got to work really hard to learn how to do that, actually. Or you've got to work with other people to, to learn. Like, Cousin Jay, I was rapping all right. I had stage presence before, but like, Cousin Jay made me have flow. He sat me down and was like, no, you need to stop. You need to rap this to me without words, please, so I can hear your timing. Like, things like that. I was very lucky that I had a, a big brother that was brought to me. Um, yeah, a hip hop big brother I've got a lovely amazingly lovely big brother but another big brother as well yeah and then that thing of like if you live or die by your ego your id really isn't it um, you know if something good happens at work you're like yeah I'm the best and I don't need nobody and if something bad happens I'm the worst person in the world kill me now and actually for a real, uh, for the sense that there's something bigger than you it's like okay that flopped but like that's not your purpose anyway you've just got to keep trying to be nice and trying to, not just trying to be nice, that's being Gary Lineker, isn't it? But like, um, actually, no, you should just try and keep making a difference where you can. What have you got in your hands? Okay, you've got that. Okay, it's not much, you don't think it's much, but it's what you've got, so you just use that. So it's a constant, like, constant sort of, like addicts talk about, a constant going back to yourself and going back to those three questions about oh, what makes me who I am and where's my importance come from and do I have control over my life? No, not really. So, and keep continual centering that. I'm realising you're not God. Can I just say, if Gary Lineker is listening, I really like you. 
I love I love Gary Lineker, but like I'm saying, the aspiration isn't to be Gary Lineker. It's uh, it's to learn the lessons of Gary Lineker. <laughs> Eat more crisps. <laughs> While wearing glasses, yeah, yeah. from Specsafe. Also getting in trouble with, um, with really bigoted right-wing people too. It's a good, yeah, good yeah. thing to do. Go, Gary. Um, before we move on from Avocat, and I'm reluctant, I'm not looking over to my left because Elizabeth Alk is over there from Radio 3, but I, um, one thing I read about him, which I loved, was that when, when he was learning music, he had a piano, but the middle of it was, was broken. So he only had the bottom bit and the top <laughs> bit to play with. So as a result, later on, that's kind of fed into his work in ways I couldn't begin to explain or understand. But I just thought it was Can I, uh, great detail. So another friend of mine from, from Leeds, not for uni, but through hip-hop, is Kid Knievel. You need to all buy Kid Knievel's new album. In fact, go get all of his albums. Amazing. Uh, does beats for MIA and mix other people. But so I got him into Arvo Pair because it's Cousin Jay, then, then Kid Knievel. And then I'm, I'm chilling at home, and, and Kid Knievel sends me a selfie, and it's him and Arvo Pear like that. <laughs> <laughs> right, we're going to move on to the next track, which I'm going to say has gone down big time in our house. It's fantastic. I'd never heard of it before, uh, and we've probably got the wrong version, but, it's <laughs> but I don't think there can be a wrong version. It's brilliant. Tommy Evans, Feel the Music. in the firmament never know when you'll perish i cherish the moment cause it's gone soon talk to consume i plead to communes by lagoons monsoons we all want to make collateral that takes sabbaticals find my nation's capital you don't need to explain that one but because it's so great but go on uh, why this one so um this was the double a side um, my first single called come revolution was on one side and tommy's uh, feel the music was on the other side. His record was a lot better. Um, he is still a really tight friend of mine. Um, for those of you who are UK hip hop aficionados and you're about my age, you might know of Black Twang and of Roots Maneuver. And Tommy Evans was like, also like he had a top fifty hit with Mark B. Remember Mark B and Blade? Well, yeah, he did a top fifty hit with Mark B. So Tommy. Uh, when I did my first ever paid gig at the Faversham Leeds, when we all got tenner each, Tommy was in the crowd with big ginger hair, and um, I pulled him up on stage and he spat some bars. And we've been friends from that day onwards. And um, yeah, very intellectual dude. Um, but that song's all about nature, and yeah, he's one of my favourite favorite lyricists. Here's a Tommy Evans lyric. I'm a dissident using dissonance to make a difference. It's like sherbet lemons. <laughs> um, I've written some notes down here uh, from when we were chatting earlier, and I can't read them. But I think one of them, it says, it says rap in nature. I don't quite know. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. He's had his own um, journey from being a hip-hop artist to getting converted into Islam, where music was haram, and then he performed with, without, with, with the human voice, and then now he has kind of got a new sort of vibe and now he's back and he's just released a new single this week so he's had his own spiritual sort of journey um but i know for both of us so i know both of us like nature has played an integral part in terms of how we connect with the spiritual and how what we associate with the spiritual i mentioned orpheus in the record shop earlier on and uh perhaps the other dramatic piece that you you're best known for 
is Black Men Walking, yeah. which was first at the Royal Exchange, was it? Or Royal Exchange. Yeah, 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 and went on tour. Uh, we're going to get into that via the next track, which is... Green Aphrodisiac. By another Leeds. You've not gone straight far from Leeds, I'm going to say, in your choices. Uh, Corin Bailey Ray. Yorkshire, let's go. There's a great line in that. I'm just going to mention it because I think it's a great line. The same thing that grows in the garden flows in me and you, which is just a brilliant line, isn't it? Um, but how do we get from that into black men walking? Um, so Corinne, who's my sister from another mister, um, we've done two tracks together, which is lovely, um, did a massive podcast on green space and mental health and stuff like that which you should all listen to. But you already know, because you're here, don't you, so sorry, fine. And that came out just as Black Men Walking was hitting. So I was talking about... Um, the play Black Men Walking is a uh, play inspired by Black Men's Walking Groups. And that thing of, again, community, like when do you get chance to actually talk to people? When do you get chance to slow down and actually connect with nature? And obviously the data on like how it affects your mental health and stuff. And, in, and also like the acute problems of mental health in the black community is also widely known so I went on walks with a real life black men's walking group and they had a political emotional and health related reasons of why they wanted why they needed the space because outside of uni is like when do you ever get to meet people and you know unless you're lucky to have a job where you run into bare people so it all came around the same time. So I'm literally reading studies on like mental health at the same time as Corinne coincidentally drops this um, four-part podcast, um, which is beautiful. And um, she's a massive walker. And I, since doing Black Men Walking, has also, have also, you know, I've got, I've got my boots on now as well. So yeah, the, the, I think it's about people of colour and walking and why is it that certain communities feel more able to walk or it's part of a culture and it's not. Essentially, it's still very middle-class occupation. I know I'm an MC, but in my case, MC stands for middle-class. But yeah, so there's a thing of like, actually, we need that. We need, we need to connect with, with nature. And like when I went walking with the Black Men's Walking Group, the little looks that you get, the fearful looks that you get. I'm walking with like, with these black guys so we've got someone who's high up in education in a sixth form college he's like a manager at sixth form college a surgeon from nigeria and a historian <laughs> three black guys and people are like oh check my wallet is you know you know and it's just a bit random so you still got the prejudices as we as you know we've got our backpacks on and our whatever high-tech walking shoes and carry malls or whatever but still there's like a prejudice and where do you feel safe where do you feel like you're going to be like stared at because you're different? Is um, that getting better? Because a number of these groups are setting up and getting out there. Have you felt that it's created a change? Yeah, it is, it is getting better. But now it's like, I mean, this is a nation that's built on um, successive ways of immigration. And there's one, as fish and chips are assimilated from Spanish Jews and then as whatever 
reggae reggae sauce is now on our show. So there's less prejudice towards, in some places, um, people of African or Caribbean descent. But then if I talk to my mate Karima, who wears the, the hijab, she might get spat at on the high street. You know what I'm saying? So like someone tried to punch her on the high street. It's mad. And she had a kid with her and everything. So um, different people are getting a sticky end of lollipops at different times in history and on different different locations. So um, I think it depends. And you can see why people are like... There's also like... I'm half white, do you notice? And I roll with a lot of white people. But even then, still, I have to explain racism to them sometimes. And go, oh, this happened... What? That happened? No, it didn't happen. No, no, that actually did... You know, all those kind of things. So there is sometimes a, a need for people to, to have that shorthand and not have to explain your experience to someone who because you've got a shared cultural experience and you can just get on with it i only realized recently like i've got so many mixed race friends how did i end up with so many mixed race friends well, they all look like me i've got my own i'm making my own little bubble again but, but i also have a lot of white brethren as well so yeah. I, I was listening to uh we had zakia sewell here oh, she's on this stage. she's great and uh we we're talking about her series my albion about identity and belonging and you were in it and, and yeah uh, and you were talking about the Cheddar Man, which is just fantastic. I didn't know that. So, I mean, you t- so yeah, Black Man Walking toured um, uh, 2008, February 2018. Then, yeah, first tour, boom, man. And um, just as the <laughs> Tyrone Huggins, who's a phenomenal actor, look up Tyrone Huggins, he's wonderful, writer, performer, director. He played the lead, one of the leads in the play Black Man Walking. And um, as the play was touring, they discovered the Cheddar Man the oldest, the DNA of the oldest Briton. And uh, they tested the DNA and they find out that the oldest Briton in the British Isles had dark skin. Don't tell Tommy Robinson. (laughs) Or Nigel Farage. Or Boris, that Boris guy. Don't tell him. Um, But Nick Riffin had been campaigning about the Cheddar Man saying, look, we've got the... uh, Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, well, this is what Zachary was saying. There's a bit at the end of the play where the old black guy who leads the walking group is talking to a younger black woman and she's like, yeah, yeah, sod your walks and your history. I don't need your walks and your history. And he's like, no, it's important, it's important. And then he does this little list of like really important black Britons. Cheddar Man, not in the, not in the script. Go to the Royal Court London, big things. Tyrone's put Cheddar Man in the script. And I was kind of like, glass of brandy for you, sir. So big up Tyrone. Always. Uh, before we get to the last track, I'm just curious. You're talking a lot there about nature of mental health and Corinne and the track we're talking about. I'm just, how does it, how does it feed into your own mental health? Does it, is nature a necessity to you, or is, are you fairly solid? It, um, I'm not solid. Um, um, but yeah, it is a, it is a massive necessity. But like, we need to. Rem- I think, well, I need to remember because I can get on a, you know, life. There's so much coming at you, you know. Do you want to click the next episode in five seconds? So, yeah, I need to stop autoplay, basically, and just take a second, because, you know, the new episode of Stranger Things can wait. Um, So I can put that on pause, and actually I can connect, be present, and like, I think that's what nature helps us do. It helps us be present. And it's not about the weight of like, oh, that baggage we've got from the past. And it's not about all oh, the anxiety for the future. I can just be present and enjoy the three little people in my life, my amazing wife, Bex, and we can just be together and, and just enjoy without, without any screen time. 
back to the Blake, isn't it? Show you the universe in a grain of sand. And what's the next line? Um, you know see a world in a grain of sand, a heaven in a wildflower, hold eternity, uh, hold infinity in the palm of your hand, and eternity in an hour. That'll do, eh? Round of applause for Blake. Yeah, I was going to say, you get an applause for Blake there. That's yeah. pretty, but you knew it. That's brilliant. Blake's hard. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, I, I told Kay Tempest that line. They hadn't heard it before. Get in. I did. <laughs> <laughs> right, we need to do the last track, I'm afraid. Uh, no Sunshine Tomorrow by your beloved... Children of Zeus from the city of Manchester. Yes, three times. Are you sure you got the right mix? And I'm really not sure. We'll find out in a sec. <laughs> Good. Everything Children of Zeus by it. Okay, why is it the, why is it the last track? What, what, um, what's it doing? It's then? a song about apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, like, talks about how the world's gone, uh, gone really bad. And the chorus is, There'll be no sunshine tomorrow. And this idea of like the eco-apocalypse being upon us, the political apocalypse being upon us, this individualism gone mad is we're in it and the video's great like the video for that remix is great it's just uh it's a guy playing in some sort of yeah radiation suit playing piano and the piano's on fire on, by the beach and it's a very it's a beautiful tune and it's a head nodder as well but it, it sort of it's, it's like stake it shows us the stakes the stakes is high you know and um and it's on us you know, like, don't have to be like that. It's about our choices and the little, little things that we can do and the conversations we can have and what we have in our hands um, to make it better. But, yeah, so I think that's why. Apocalypse um, doesn't mean end of the world, by the way. Apocalypse means revelation. It means having your eyes opened. That's what an apocalypse means. It doesn't mean Third World War. That's Armageddon. Apocalypse is it's about opening your eyes and saying, OK, what can I do? How can I help? Um, what's going on? And how do you, you've got three children, how do you talk with them about it? I mean, how on earth do we communicate with our children about this? I mean, with the weight of despair that can come with it, how, how, just how do, you, how do we talk to them? About Jeff, how do we talk about to our kids to these, this kind of stuff? Because I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm, I can freestyle, but like, literally I'm freestyling with, and we all are, right? This is, we're, we're like our parents were like, had to freestyle us about, um, nuclear war, you know, little kids going to sleep. I remember going to sleep thinking about being mummy. Is they going to drop a nuclear bomb on us? And our kids are saying that us to again to us now. But we're freestyling it, and all we can do is is like is our intention, right? And and there is something divine about children. There's a line from my favorite film, one of my favorite films, Magnolia, where a guy says um, it's dangerous to con- confuse children with angels, and then. Um, William H. Macy with braces on goes no it isn't and um, I'm like yeah there is something informative there where actually it's these little people trying to make us better Yeah. and I've never felt more selfish and more rubbish and more like seeing all my flaws when it comes that reflected me by my by my children right like oh I didn't realise I was that kind of a person I better do some homework I better change that I better not do that again so 
But never I more think, hopeful, right, as yeah, well. Yeah, that's the flip. That's the flip, is that, like, they're, they're our teachers. And then as we sort of, and that sort of soft gentleness guiding them, because they are, like... Whenever I do workshops, I'm always like, yo, you're the next person who decides who gets played on radio. You're the person who decides who gets, uh, whether that political party gets airtime or how this new issue is going to be, is it going to be fair and balanced on the news and all this kind of stuff. You, That's you lot who can be making them decisions, deciding who, where you're going to cast your vote, if you're going to cast your vote, what issues get get airtime and, and how, to, how we're going to collectivise and all that. That's you lot. So we can do what we can. But I am installing. I'm trying to just make my children believe that, like the Etonian kids, they can do. They're meant to run things. You know. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you are entitled. Yes, you are entitled to run the world. A hundred percent. You no. You want to be an institution, like Tracy Emin says. Everyone should be their own institution. Yeah, you're going to be an institution. Um, I don't know what it is, but you're going to find what you're going to do. Not no pressure. Um, but like, just whether it's in a small, the kindest person on your street. Or whether it's going to be, you know, the person who comes up with the new brain technology or the, the battery that is powered by flatulence, whatever. Um, like, that's, that's, that's you guys. And, and to make the difference where you can, even if it's small. So that's what I'm freestyling with. Those are the lyrics that I'm freestyling with. I don't know if it's going to work. But if we don't try, if we give up, like, the parents who are like, oh, it's too tough, I'm not going to give them anything. I'm just going to let them find out. And it's like, oh, yeah, you're going to let them find out and they'll go online and they'll hear some nonsense off all these different places where they can get really negative vibes. It's like, yeah. I mean, I, I talked to I, one of, a friend of mine who plays bass guitar. Um, it's a massive misogynist and who is massively doesn't believe in climate change. And he's the same skin colour as me. And he listens to Erica like I do. You should all listen to Erica. Makes life makes your life better. Erica would do. Um, but he's got crazy views and I'm like bro and I talked to him a little bit further and most of my friends have actually gone super right it's all the, da- the dads are all toxic and I'm like oh shit I need to not be that for my for my my girl and my two boys you know I not need to be, not be the toxic dude. I don't want to be that guy I want to be that guy that empowers them and doesn't make them think of the world like this but makes them think of it openness and not to be afraid I think that's the big thing like we, we, I've been growing up where parents are afraid to apologise to their kids when they get it wrong I had some, some friend of mine on, on Facebook, it was like, oh, parents these days are apologising to their kids. And it's like, yeah, yeah, actually. Then, then that gives them permission to fail and permission yeah. to realise they can grow and they can, they can teach as well and fail and then try again. And um, so, yeah, we're, I feel like we're all recovering from, from modernism and po- all these big ideas, isms, and now we're trying to freestyle our way to find what the, what the new way forward is. And, and that's okay, because we've got each other and we've got the great spirit well, or however you want to define that and we've got humanity and we've got love and love isn't just the song lyric it's it's like it's a real it's a real thing so we can we can hold on to that well you're definitely not that guy and you definitely are an institution <laughs> ladies and gentlemen testament Wilderness Tracks is produced by me, Jeff Bird, as part of the Timber Festival that takes place in the National Forest each July. If you enjoyed this episode, there are plenty more to enjoy wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>